You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. I think uh, you kind of get what you put into it. It would be the biggest thing for me is if you uh, you invest the time and effort and put yourself out there, ask questions, be humble. There's something to be learned from everyone. Um, that's what I think that I've taken away. I, I take that into my work as well. I mean, pay attention to details, especially in fishing. Um, fly tying is no different. One of the biggest things that stuck with me, I can't remember who said it, but make every wrap of thread count. Um, just all, all those little things. Like that was a turning point in my tying is make absolutely every, every turn of thread count. Make sure everything you do, you do with purpose. Um, that's, that's what stuck with me, I think, is just do whatever you do with purpose. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. We are going to get to our guest momentarily, Devin Sieben. Devin is a talented fly tire, avid fly fisher, and friend of the podcast out of Edson, Alberta, Canada, in just a moment. Want to let you know the top 10 cities for downloads this week on the podcast. And thanks so much, guys, for listening. We're uh, approaching 42,000 downloads, and that's awesome. Pretty stoked about that. San Francisco, California was number one this week on the program. 70 Mile House, British Columbia. Uh, Denver, Colorado. Vancouver, British Columbia. Victoria, B.C., Gig Harbor, Washington, Janesville, Wisconsin, Westerville, Ohio, Bozeman, Montana, and Wheeling, West Virginia. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hey, everyone. This is Nate from theflycrate.com. I just wanted to thank you again for listening to the podcast and want to let you know about our new membership option called the Mix and Match subscription. This is for people who don't want us to hand curate a selection of flies for you, but you would rather choose 100% of what you receive each and every month. For nineteen ninety-five a month, you will receive $30 of the Fly Crate store credit. But this is a great way to pick exactly what you want and save money on the Fly Crate without having to worry about the commitment. All right, so this is the Mix and Match membership. Just go to our website, theflycrate.com, and navigate to our homepage, and you'll see a, a selection there that says $30 Fly Crate credit. Just select that option and navigate through. And, you know, learn a lot more there. We have all your answers, um, all your questions answered, and you'll be able to figure out whether or not this is a good membership for you. But it's a great way to save money if you were going to spend money on the fly crate anyways, and you just wanted to, you know, prepay in advance and save some extra cash and dough on the side. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in this time around. We want to welcome to the podcast friend of the program, Devin Sieben. Now, Devin is out of Edson, Alberta, Canada. He's an avid fly tire. I have actually seen his patterns firsthand and can tell you that, uh, well, they're pretty darn impressive and they catch a lot of fish and the guy knows how to throw a line for sure. Devin, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark. Awesome. Yeah, I've been trying to keep up with you a little bit. I see you're posting a lot on Stillwaters these days and some of the sites and and uh, spending a lot of time at the, the fly tying bench. Before we get into this, Devin, I kind of like to take it back to your roots and figure out how you discovered fly fishing. Uh, absolutely. So like probably most people, um, my dad got me into fishing, not fly fishing, just conventional gear and 
hanging worms under bobbers or, or you fishing for walleye and pike and perch out of little aluminum boats back home in Leoville, Saskatchewan. That's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that a lot as a kid, nothing, nothing crazy. And then, uh, I kind of didn't fish. I didn't fish for a lot of years. I, uh, got into other things, hockey and golf, found myself in, uh, in Hinton, Alberta actually. And, uh, Begrudgingly, this is sort of a story in itself. I, uh, the wife and I, I think we just had Carter at that time and was invited to a block party. Like we shut our block down and I had to set up the tables for a block party and went in, to this party and met a guy by the name of Kevin Cripps. He had just moved to Hinton from Ontario and he was an avid fly fisherman and fly tire. And at that time, I was big into golf. I'm kind of a 100% giver kind of guy into whatever I'm into. And at that point in my life, I was big into golf. And I had actually won a beginner fly uh, fishing setup. It was a Reddington Crosswater five-weight complete package with a plastic reel and a a little vest. And I had that stored up in the shelves of my garage for years and got to talking to Kevin. He's like, oh, man, that's exactly what you need to get started. So got to talking to him and got to be really good friends with him and he actually taught me to tie my first fly which I didn't think I was going to buy into that whatsoever I didn't have the the patience for it I didn't even honestly really like it but it was uh, as cliche as it sounds it was just a black woolly bugger and mm-hmm. worked my way through it and tied that fly and the rest is history I uh, I bought into it big time and it's a, definitely a passion of mine. You said something there that just kind of stuck with me, and that was you didn't really like it at first. I was kind of surprised to hear you say that, but in a way not. Explain, like, how did you transition into liking it? Because I know now uh, it's pretty hard to get a bobbin out of your hand. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I, I tied the fly because Kevin was willing to show me, and, you know, I haven't actually fly fished forever. I was, uh, I'm actually nine years into fly fishing, and, probably seven or so into fly tying seriously and I didn't like it because I felt like I was all thumbs I didn't I didn't know what I was doing I couldn't do a whip finish I just I didn't think it was something that I would uh, be interested in and then kind of fast forward a few years of, of fly fishing and and seeing other people doing it I got into the still water thing and I was like I gotta get into fly tying so I was in uh, Calgary for for work and I went to uh, small local fly shop and just bought what I needed for a woolly bugger and a few chronomids. So I literally had just a handful of materials and a simple, simple vice that I still have to this day. It's sitting over here. It's a, what is it? A Dyna King. I got my youngest boy tying on it now, just a (laughs) basic vice and had just the basic materials, minimalistic type thing just to get started and went back to the hotel room that night and, and tied flies and tied and I mean my original flies look nothing like the ones I, I do now but but they worked and like I said I'm kind of a passionate guy whatever I get into I, I do it 100% and just from there it's taken off to I got I don't know I'm in my room now actually I look around here and it's crazy I got a small fly shop multiple vices I don't know, I built my own dubbing spinner, drying wheel. I got, I got it. It's a small fly shop down here. 
Yeah, I, I know, I know you're all in, no doubt about that. You know, you know what else is interesting to me uh, with what you just said is that, and and I I can speak to this a little bit, but I want your input on it as far as you know how when you start tying and then you look back like three months later and you go, oh, those aren't very good. And then, and then you like your new pile or you kind of have your pile of flies that you just go, well, that's kind of an, it's a one-off. It's, that's, that's not going in my box. Do you still have that pile of flies that doesn't make it into your fly box? Yeah, I, I still do. I actually did something really cool. Um, this last fishing season is I, uh, I started a brand new box. I didn't put a fly in it. So I had a brand new clean little box and I, when I'd go out fishing and I'd fish a fly, I'd put it back into that empty box. And at the end of the season, I was able to see exactly what flies I used for that whole season. Hmm. And it was it was really cool to look back and reflect on that in this past couple of weeks here because I know I've, I've put them back and I've organized again. And now I know what to tie and what worked last season. And, and it's really amazing how... Honestly, like I got so much stuff that I'll probably never ever use because you got those standard go-to patterns. And to reflect on that box here, it was super cool just to see like how much of the same flies I was using. I got this, I call it the back online um, BOL leech. It's just a balanced all of leech that I tie. It's my own little thing. It's nothing special. Um, and I have a bunch of those in that box. I got some scuds in there. I got some uh, tequila boobies. I love fishing a deep six line. I I just crazy how many of the same thing ended up in that box throughout the course of an entire season. It was kind of wild to look back at it and, and see it that way. That's a great idea. I've never actually thought of doing that. I try to do it in my head, but God knows how that works. Like I don't remember half the things I use throughout the year, but that's a really good piece of advice actually. Hmm. So, talk to me about. So you're saying uh, this one gentleman uh, kind of got you going with the tying and kind of started into the fly fishing world. Who who else has been influential along the way? Uh, has there been a lot of YouTube stuff, or who who have you learned from the most? Actually, it, it's kind of kind of. Uh, I give this one a little bit of thought. I I I always had to reach out and kind of figure things out on my own. Absolutely, YouTube, both in the tying and the fishing and I always tried to surround myself with people that would be willing to show me so Kevin got me going there's another guy by the name of Dave McLaren that was a consultant at my work that gave me some time and passed off some just some cool things like the mono master and taught me like the basic ethics you know cleaning up after yourself and when you're out there on the water just really kind of explained to me you know he actually wouldn't even go fishing with me unless I had a mono master you know what a mono master is no just a, it's just a little thing you put all your line in and so you don't litter and throw line around the banks or the, the lakes you're fishing in. So I learned a lot from Dave. Um, and then really it's all about kind of putting myself up out there, you know, like, you know, firsthand how we got to know each other. And there's many other um, instances where, you know, my fly fishing friends or my fly fishing family is all really just from me putting myself out there. Um, Moved to Edson here. We've been in Edson now almost eight years. I drove the same route home from work for, you know, a year, the first year moving here. And I'd always noticed this Wally Loop. I could drive by this guy's house and he had this great big jet sled boat. And his license plate was a personalized license plate. And it said fly wing. I'm like, that guy has to fly fish. There's no way <laughs> that he doesn't. But 
I drove by and he was out, you know, tossing the ball to his dog. And I rolled down my window and I said, I'm heading out to the lake right now. He's like, I'll be right behind you. But I never, never knew him. But I just had the courage to roll down my window and, and kind of introduce myself to him that way. And hmm. sure as heck, half hour later, we're at the same lake, got to be friends. And we're, we're, we're friends ever since. He's, he's an older gentleman. Um, he's well known in the local, you know, Edmonton, you know, Edson area for fly time. He's actually invented the Wally wing. It's a beautiful dry fly wing where you actually peel a feather. Um, so just it's so many examples of that are crazy where I just, you know, was willing to put myself out there just a little bit. And we're, we've been friends, you know, ever since. And to this day, I go over for tea. He's got a library. His whole house is covered in fly tying books. He's like a, old school fly tire has an appreciation for where the patterns originated and I can just sit there and drink tea and, and visit with him for hours. Hmm. Um, lots of people, Dave and Amelia Jensen. Um, I got to know them just again. I went to Fortress Lake Lodge, got to know them, um, reached out again over social media, got them up here to fish with me. And ever since then we've been, you know, lifelong friends. And Nick, actually, Nick uh, Stokonich, he's yep. been on your show before. Mm-hmm. I met him at a boat launch at a lake and been friends ever since. And, you know, the story, how I uh, how I got to know you as well. So That's cool. And and what happened was, Devin, basically, you were listening to the podcast. You just basically shot me a, I think you shot me a message on Facebook and said, hey, I'm in your neck of the woods and I really want to chase some smallies. <laughs> and I was... I was I f- I can't remember why but we can we chose not to go for smallies and went up to a small lake just up in the hills and and got in you well yeah, you did real well I got into a few but it was uh it was a fun outing and I I I think that's actually a fairly common thing in in the fly fishing world you know it's like we're only a castaway everyone we're all kind of thinking the same thing anybody wants to talk fishing or get out it's it's where are you going to say no and uh, I'm sure glad I did cuz uh I tell you what, I was looking through your, your fly patterns and uh, that's partly why you're on the show and partly because uh, I think you and I need to talk talk fishing a heck of a lot more than we have been. Hey, I, I want to get the folks to, to get to know you a little bit, Devin, before we jump into more of this. Uh, you ready for a few uh, rapid-fire questions? Sure. All right, man. I know you're a big sports guy. So uh, are you? is it Oilers for you, Eskimos? What's your go-to uh, sports team? Uh, Edmonton Oilers for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I, I do enjoy the CFL. Right. And uh, the Blue Jays. Ah, there you go. You got them all covered. When you're and on your way, guess, sorry, go ahead. And I guess my uh, favorite hockey team would be the Edson Sabers. I uh, I coach both my boys' hockey teams. Cool. That is cool. Favorite tunes when you're on your way to the water. What kind of music you got on? I'm a serious radio guy. I kind of, um, pretty much it's pretty standard. The kids always joke with me. They can sing along and know all the radio personalities, but I listen to the, the highway on serious radio. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm all over that too. That and uh, no shoes nation. And, and a little bit of what's that retro one. They got one that uh, kind of goes back into like the nineties country, which I like once in a while, but yeah, that's, can't go wrong with the highway, man. And then a lot of the time I'll listen to podcasts and yeah. And sometimes if I got a buddy with me or or um, or whatever, it will just kind of have something for background noise. But I like to 
like to visit and talk about trips or whatever. So it all kind of depends. One go-to fly pattern, Dev, that you just can't live without. Uh, man, that's a, that's a tough one, man. Um, I enjoy, I enjoy fishing, uh, under an indicator. I've actually been trying a ton to not, it would probably be an olive balance bleach. Um, Mm -hmm. I love the Arizona Maggie or uh, Arizona Simi Steel, the Canadian olive, like all the Canadian colors. I like all of them, but the Canadian olive, I would have to say that. Okay. Yeah. Favorite place to talk fly fishing. Is there a coffee shop in Edson, a fly shop, a local watering hole you like to frequent? Where do you get your fix on fly fishing? Actually, you know what? That's a tough one for Edson. There is no, uh, there's no store. There's no real venue. There's not a lot of people that actually do it. So in order to get my fix, I I have to kind of reach out to friends and, and, and visit on the phone or through social media, typing back and forth, talking about fishing trips with each other or whatever. I kind of get it that way, or or if I'm ever in the city, I'll stop in at uh, Reed's Fly Shop in Edmonton, or one of my favorites in uh, in Calgary is Fishtails Fly Shop. So if I go there, the the wife and the family knows that's a couple hour endeavor to get in there and and and, and visit with people, you know, like minded people, right? It's 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 super fun to do that. <laughs> I hear you on that. That's 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 something we probably all have in common. It's like if I'm in the neighborhood of a fly shop, I basically got to carve out a couple hours because I don't know about you, Dev. When I'm looking at a wall full of different materials, I could spend a lot of time doing that. Yeah, exactly. One thing maybe to build on on the on the patterns is one of the things for me is I I fish for everything and I tie everything. Like I I love fishing for pike so i'll tie big deer hair and and big streamers that way like brad bowen type stuff i'll tie tiny little intricate things chronomids leeches like big bass poppers and airbrush stuff like i just love doing it all that's what i mm-hmm. you know it's pretty diverse right yeah no absolutely so many ways you can go and you can specialize like I, i've talked to people on the podcast that all they do is tie streamers other people, all they do is tie chronomid patterns. You know, it's like you, you make it yours, but I think there's so much to learn, and, and we just never stop learning at, at the vice for sure. Speaking of learning, mm-hmm. what, what would you say has, has been the biggest lesson that you've learned in your fly fishing journey so far? I think uh, you kind of get what you put into it. It would be the biggest thing for me is if you, uh, if you invest the time and effort and put yourself out there, ask questions, be humble, there's something to be learned from everyone. Um, that's what I think that I've taken away. I, I take that into my work as well. I mean, you got to be humble enough to, to listen. Try to. That's one of my challenges to try to listen more than I talk. Um, but you know, be humble. Pay attention. Pay attention to details, especially in fishing. Um, fly tying is no different. One of the biggest things that stuck with me. I can't remember who said it, but make every wrap of thread count. Um, just all, all those little things. Like that was a turning point in my time is make absolutely every, every turn of thread count, make sure everything you do, you do with purpose. Um, that's, that's what stuck with me. I think is just do whatever you do with purpose. That's a great quote. Uh, Cause I, I, I got to admit, sometimes I'm just going through the motions when I'm throwing some, some, some thread on. That's, that's a good point. When you're not fly fishing, you're doing what 
spending time with my boys and and the family. Um, in the winter time, we're busy playing uh, playing hockey, running around. I'm uh, I try to incorporate fishing into absolutely everything I can, or fly tying. So if we're going somewhere, if we're coming your way to visit or whatever, I try to at least carve out some time for for fishing. Um, but I literally I I'll tie a fly. If I'm at home and I have a vice, I'll tie a fly absolutely every day, at least one. Hmm. I, uh, it's almost like a, I don't know, like a religion for me or whatever. I, I find it so relaxing. I, I find it if I'm having a bad day or at work or whatever, I'll come down here and kids are in bed and I'll, I'll tie a fly and I, I just get lost in it. I, I find it, I find it therapeutic. It sounds cliche. So many people say it, but. I, I really do. I don't. Sometimes I don't even have music on or a podcast or anything. I just get lost in what I'm doing, and mm-hmm. and that's what it's all about for me. What's the best job you've ever had? Best job's probably the job I have now. I'm just truly grateful to to have one. But uh, I've been at the same place a long time. I've been with uh, the company I'm with now, Repsol, for um, better part of 15 years. Of had multiple different roles with them. They keep me engaged. They keep me challenged. And uh, mm-hmm. I'd say the one I have now. And sorry, what what exactly do you do now? I'm a, so we're an oil and gas company. Um, right. We have uh, wells that produce the um, facilities, and basically, I'm uh, I'm the asset control manager. Okay. Couple of favorite movies that you've seen in the past few years or, or not even the past few years. It's if you're going to put a movie on right now with uh, all this craziness going on, what are you watching? We're watching the Tiger King right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. Uh, uh, I'm I, with the, the rest of the world. I think hey, that's I, crazy. The attention that that has gotten. <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm the only person to never seen it. I've been, <laughs> I keep hearing about it, but uh, okay. Fair enough. Um, um, go ahead. Favorite favorite movies would be I like all the true crime type stuff. I don't I don't like a lot of the sci fi stuff. I don't know. I I like a lot of that kind of stuff, like the town. Um, I don't know all like the true crimey type stuff. Best fly fishing location that you've been personally? Um, I've been fortunate enough to do a couple saltwater trips. So I just got back in uh, end of November. I was in Christmas Island, and before that, I was in Belize. Those are really special trips. I mean, I would never trade my home waters or or what I'm able to do in exchange for that, but those are really cool. I would probably have to stay uh, Belize. Hmm. Good stuff. Okay, I'm going to switch gears on you. Um, Let's talk gear. Uh, I know that you do a lot of still water. I I assume you're doing some moving water too, but what's your go-to when it comes to a fly rod? If you're going to grab one off the rack or one out of the, out of the shop, what, uh, what are you reaching for? I, uh, I'll talk about the one I use the most, or I guess two of them. I got, uh, Sage one, um, Sage one, 10 foot and a Sage one, nine foot six. Those are my still water rods. They're the ones that are probably in my hand more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, they're a little bit older now, but, uh, I wouldn't have a reason to replace them. I absolutely love those rods. Yeah. I want you to take us through a, a perfect day. And this is in, in your mind, your day, your way, in your neck of the woods. What does that look like? Walk us through that. Okay. So for me, it would be late fall. It'd be a late fall day. Um, hoping for a, 
or uh, back swimmers. Mm. I'd be uh, getting up not too early because there's really no point. It'd be cold. There'd be frost on your windshield. They'd be packing the truck and the, got the boat on the back and hopefully just had a quick chat with the buddy that you're going to meet at the lake or pick up on the way. I'd stop at uh, Tim Hortons for a, for a coffee, just a black coffee, put on the tunes, head out to my favorite lake. You're there before you really need to be, so you're not rushed. Um, I don't mind getting up early for a fishing trip, but uh, this is a pretty cool thing if it all works out. So you get to the lake, you get in into the water, and you're all set up, and you're just cruising around, and you're you're kind of waiting and eagerly anticipating the you know the inversion to come off. The lake's coming, starting to warm up. The, hopefully, it's beautiful, clear blue sky. The warm warmth starts to come and then you start to see these bombers these small little aircraft start falling down (laughs) and then you start to realize that it's going to be one of the best days ever man i look forward to that more than anything else i love chronomids in the spring i love everything but that is my absolute favorite if you can hit a lake and those little bombers are going and they're smacking you in the head and they're landing in your boat and the fish are crushing these things there's nothing better in the world than that. I uh, I look forward to that every year. Yeah, you and me both. You fishing indicators mostly then? I actually do it every which way I can think of. I love it. I love fishing. Uh, I guess a slow sink line, like a like a just a sink tip or like a full sink, but like ultra slow. Um, I can't remember the name of that line now, but just something really, really, really slow sinking mm-hmm. with a floating fly. Or even just, uh, I do it a bunch of different ways. If I if I have my absolute pick of the litter, though, I'd be fishing like a floating fly, Jennings Ultimate Boatman type thing mm-hmm. on a floating line or a, just a slow sink line. Cast her out there, cast them to rings. Oh, man, it, it's so much fun. <laughs> I look forward to it. Yeah. And what, what species are you targeting? Uh, rainbows. Um, we're pretty lucky here now. We used to have to go to Saskatchewan or Manitoba to get different species but now we got rainbows and brown trout and they've just introduced tiger trout here so um they haven't grown up quite yet i mean some lakes have had them a while so they're they're big enough but mainly mainly rainbows um if i had to pick we got brook trout here too and cutthroats we got quite a bit going on Mm -hmm. here um but uh i like coming your way too for the for the big rainbows and a little bit different hatches right i mean for you guys mm-hmm. yeah um it, but thing i like too you get up towards camloops area and some of those clear waters you can you can see five six seven different colored crony hatches going on in the period of a few hours and you kind of got to chase those hatches i love those days yeah i've only been there a few times but a buddy of mine chuck and i have gone up there and i just couldn't believe how um how clear some of the water in the lakes were like I was just like losing it I couldn't believe it you'd be sitting there anchored and you'd literally could see the fish swimming underneath your boat and you could see them in the shoals and it was just like all the YouTube videos you watch I got to live it for you know a couple of weekends I, it'd be crazy to get to do that every weekend yeah no absolutely yeah I know I know there's some lakes that we go to that you got to stay on top of those hatches because you may have your go-to whether it's black and red or, or, or gray and black but then all of a sudden, you'll start seeing, we call it bronco orange. It's kind of a rusty brown kind of a, 
uh, a color. That one's a real common one. Those bright green ones, you must see those ones around a lot too. I know I see those quite often and, um, you know, it's, you just got to be able to match it and stay with, stay with it, especially in that clear water. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. We, um, we can get some really good, uh, but it seems like it's seasonal too. Like we can get some really good chronomid hatches, like ones where you could literally like, you're going crazy because it's just buzzing. Like you're wondering what the heck is going on or they're in the trees and they're everywhere. And then the next year, it seems like it's nowhere near as prolific. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. I, I've experienced that, but I, I think of lakes like White Lake, uh, Tonkwa, um, Roche, you know, they're just prolific crony lakes and the colors, it changes a lot. It, it can, especially in the clearer the water, the more it seems to, to happen. But uh, I can remember having a day on White Lake that was just like, if you didn't change, uh, every couple hours, cause the, the hatches were just, you know, they were going rust, kind of that carrot color, um, bright green, um, black with red rib, you name it. But, um, if you, you can change too much sometimes chasing those hatches around, but I think also where you're, it's, uh, boy, you're getting the blood going, man. I want to get out there. I'm still sitting on some ice around here, but it's starting to come off. How's it going out your way? Was the winter pretty, uh, pretty decent or are you still going to be a while? We're, we're, we were shoveling snow all week last week. So we we're a long ways away from it or it feels, it feels that way. Um, uh, we still got, you know, literally like three or four feet of snow on my front yard. So we're a ways off. Yeah. Here. Fair enough. We always, that always happens every year. You start getting the itch and you start thinking, well, it won't be long, but then you start looking at some of those lakes in elevation. You're like, okay, maybe the Valley bottom lakes are starting to thaw, but the higher you get up in the Alpine, it's uh, it's a ways for sure. And we're recording this in, uh, what is it? Early April. So by the time this airs, I expect to be uh, chasing some, some, some crannies somewhere. Hopefully we'll see you out in the water soon. Um, Dev, I want to talk a little bit more fly tying with you because I know that's that's something you're doing a lot of right now. Tell, tell us about your setup as far as what type of vice do you like to tie on and, and how do you have it all? Describe uh, the setup you've got going on there in Edson. I, uh, I got a... The room is pretty decent size. It's like a bedroom that I've converted to a fly tying room. So I got... I still have my original old uh, roll top desk that will not roll shut because <laughs> it's so full of stuff. But I actually tie on a Renzetti Master. I treated myself to that uh, a few years ago. It's an absolute treat to tie on. I love it. Um, it's a full rotary vise. I I got a couple other vices because I tie so many different things. I mean, this Master can hold absolutely anything from the tiniest of tiny dry fly hooks to the biggest of big ugly meat chuckers but um if i'm going to tie a lot of big stuff i still go back to my old uh i got a peak uh yep. that was my second vice i got with that jurassic series jaw i think brian wise uses the same uh same thing but that thing can you'd bend the hooks over like that thing can hold anything um so i got if i'm gonna do something like it, i don't do anything i tie for myself um so i don't ever really crank out a bunch of anything so mm-hmm. Living proof of that right now is uh, I've been chatting quite a bit with Nick on on the internet and stuff, and we've been tying uh, like boofers, like deer hair, like big boofers and pike flies and stuff. So I got like big those big things, and then 
you know, when I was talking to you earlier or whatever, I was, I was working on some chronomids. So I got, I can tie a 12 inch fly one minute with deer hair. And then, you know, that same afternoon I'll tie a little size 16 chronomid or something. I just, just do it. And, I, and if I, I do whatever I feel like, cause I'm not trying to fill an order or do whatever. I just do whatever I feel like I want to do. So I'm prepping, yeah. uh, prepping a bunch of balanced leeches just to fill some gaps and some boxes and, I'm always always doing something down here. Are you one of those guys that's always snapping uh, photos on on the phone to go back to and reference later? Um, yeah, I do. I do a lot of bit of that as well. I um, the whole posting flies and sort of you know putting the stuff out there or whatever for me. I've I've been trying like I've been doing that for a while, but I was never very good at taking pictures. That isn't art form in itself and there's so many people that are better than that than me but uh i enjoyed that learning um process too i'm not the best at it yet but i i uh you know you need a tripod you need you need to invest some time and pay the education tax to to get that whole thing set up i did a couple uh little videos or whatever just playing around because uh, the times now there's not a whole lot else you can do so i thought i would do a few of those I kind of struggled with that a little bit to be honest because I didn't know if you know 99% of what I learned is from watching YouTube videos so I thought hey I'll I'll give back I did something with markers a while ago and I did this cool scud pattern that I thought was neat like I'm not inventing any of this stuff and I never want to um, want people to think that I'm trying to take credit for other people's stuff I'm just doing it my way and I think that if you pay attention, everybody has their own little style or how they go about doing things. And if people can learn something from me and if I can give back in any way, that's what it's all about. And, you know, people appreciate it and that's motivation to keep doing it. Right. Um, yeah. The, that Stillwater site is Stillwater site is lots of fun. I've gotten a ton out of, uh, the fly tying with uncle Cheech, uh, site on facebook and the fly fish food videos like i'm a huge fan of those guys i've never actually met them i message back and forth but i really like their their vibe that they got going on there as well Mm-hmm. yeah well you just named a couple of great sites there for sure and that's what i love now is there's so many places you can learn from and actually see it you know i remember starting out and it was nobody was talking about fly time 40 years ago and if they were it was at a club uh and you know you'd do it for uh for half an hour or an hour on a thursday night with a cold beverage and then maybe not do it again for for another month you know what i mean and and now all of a sudden it's like we get inundated with these patterns and these creative patterns and i i swear half the patterns that are getting uh pictures of out there have never been tried it's like oh i'm going to try this and then let's see if it works you know <laughs> there's, there's so much out there the one thing that i uh I want to mention on here too is like I think a lot of times people think they need the best of everything. The only reason that I got a crazy like uh, Renzetti Master Vice or I'm, I'm looking right now down at my bobbins and stuff is I got like a C CF bobbin and you don't need any of this stuff. But if you're going to do it a lot, you might as well have good stuff. Like if you're using a good balanced bobbin and makes all the difference in the world because you're spinning it to flatten your thread. You're, all those little things matter like the more you're doing it. I, and I think that you mm-hmm. appreciate it more. 
having said all that, none of it is absolutely necessary, you know. But I mean, you can still tie a fly with a basic of basic stuff. I mean, you could tie a sure. brace with vice grips and a and whatever the thread in your hand if you really wanted to, and that's all cool too. I uh, I think sometimes people get wrapped up in all the gear, but I love gear. I mean, I got. I just love I just love it so much. I, I I just enjoy having all the stuff too. You were you and I were talking a while ago about thread selection. I kind of like to jump into that, and and maybe you can echo some of those thoughts you had because I I found it interesting talking to you about the type of thread you're using. What what do you what's your go to right now? I've kind of shifted over to this Semperfly Nano Silk. This stuff is absolutely amazing, and I have no affiliation with anybody or anything, so. I think that I can give good, uh, it's only my opinion, but I don't get any kickbacks. I pay full retail for all my stuff. I don't sell nothing. So, I mean, um, this Semperfly Nano Silk, you can get it in like 18 aught or 12 aught or whatever. And if you're used to using um, like UTCs or whatever, I think this stuff mm-hmm. um, is better. It just doesn't come in as many colors. Um Right, but if you're trying to tie tiny stuff and you want to get a nice taper, or you don't want that bulk associated with you know thread buildup, I would strongly suggest picking up some of this. It's it's just good stuff, and it's crazy strong, crazy crazy strong for how thin it is. I'll have to try that. I've never tried it. I I've used Unithread and UTC, but uh, yeah, well that's interesting. And I always like talking to somebody that isn't necessarily sponsored because you know what. Uh, you're going to speak your truth and, uh, you may not have tried everything out there, but, um, I, th- I think there's value in, in, in hearing that. Yeah. And then the, the other thing, or I don't want to say it's a pet peeve, but one of the things that I find almost, uh, comical is how much talk and debate there is over, uh, like over UV. I completely get and appreciate some people are sick and get, get sick of it or from it or have reactions from mm-hmm. it or whatever. I completely get that. But, the thing that I find is a hot topic a ton on, on numerous sites is uh, is people that have issues with it, um, like setting up or whatever. And mm-hmm. honestly, man, it's all about the light. It's all about the light that you're using. You need to have a yeah. good light. Like there's other ones out there, but the, the Loon Infinity Light, the rechargeable light, it's like 80 bucks or whatever, but it's well worth it. If I had to say the, the one thing that I'm the most, happy with finally investing in because i've got all kinds of different knockoff lights and tried to i did everything i did the same thing everybody else did tried to avoid you know buying the fancy light or whatever trying to find something else but it is a it's it's the difference maker if you're going to use uv products i use a ton of uv stuff i love the golf stuff but i i could show you i got golf i got loon i got solar as i got all of yeah. it i don't i haven't tried this rapid stuff yet but i probably will um i have enough of it and this light hammers all of it and i think that if you have to coat your uv with something else after the fact it kind of defeats the whole purpose of using uv in the first place so buy 100 buy a good light <laughs> that's what i think yeah. yeah i like that that's 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 good advice because i i know i'm with you too i, I see all these these forums and People get very, uh, they like what they like. I mean, some people like Coke, some people like Pepsi, whatever. Uh, use what works for you and doesn't bother you. Like, I mean, I, I'm with you too. I know some guys really love that Solaris. It's okay. I've got it. 
Um, but I, I find the Loon Flow for me works. What, what's your go-to for, for resin? Um, I use, like I said, I use it all, but I, for chronomids and everything, I'm, I'm a big fan of the solar as bone dry. That stuff okay. is like thin as water. Um, the key, the key to this stuff though, is you got to have your bodkin to so just touch it. You take your bodkin and if you got a rib, a wire rib or whatever, you just got to almost take it all off. You know, you just touch it, touch it, touch it, almost take it all off, hit it with your light and then put a little bit more on or whatever. And I think using your bodkin is key. So you can't just, you're going to put too much on. The applicator is not perfect. And I think that little mm-hmm. trick with your bodkin is essential to keep your segmentation and all the things that you want to have. And you can really control the resin with the bodkin. And then you hit it with your light and literally it's it, it's set up. I don't, I don't coat it again with anything else, honestly. That's a good, that's a really good, good piece of advice because i know a lot of those the applicator it's just basically like a nail like a like a nail brush it's too it's too big yeah. right yeah I, I do the same thing that botkin is uh is the way to go for sure a little more time consuming but like you say you if you really want to spend the time and get some detail that's the way to do it yeah i want to ask you uh, if you've had any crazy things happen to you in your time on the water usually uh, somebody's got a, a crazy fish story or two anything uh that comes to mind, Devin? Uh, yeah, it's almost not believable, but it's, uh, I'll, I'll share a little story with you. So, uh, me and my buddy Chuck were out fishing on a lake and it was, we had a few days ahead of us. So we were like a day into a couple day fishing trip and he's pretty, uh, tight lipped on patterns and everything. He'll, he'll succumb to the pressure to share with you after a little bit of bugging, but it's kind of an ongoing joke. He's kind of, keeps to himself his patterns and stuff and we were kind of locked our boats together we were fishing um i was fishing in my own craft he was in his own and we kind of tied them together and we're visiting for the last half hour of fishing and and it was chronomids we were fishing chronomids and his indicator went down and through the chaos and not really paying attention he broke off uh his fly and i was like oh there's that that flies out there now because he wouldn't tell me what he was using exactly and uh the next day we're out fishing on our own and fishing away and i catch this fish and i'm going to release it and there's a chronomid in his mouth so i took the chronomid out of his mouth and and stuck it in my pocket and on the drive home i put it on the dash of his pickup truck and give him his chronomid back (laughs) i caught (laughs) i caught the fish that broke off his uh at his chronomid (laughs) Like, what did he say to that like what are the odds of that happening man like it, it's crazy oh. he, he couldn't believe it he was laughing and it was pretty wild we've all fished with people like that that don't like to share what's working i gotta admit that's kind of a pet peeve of mine yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's a good thing to bug each other about for sure i mean it's nice to get a leg up but it's also nice to share in that success yeah absolutely right if you can there's nothing better than being at a lake and there's a bunch of people out and everybody's having success and you can share the stories and, and, um, you know, really just share in the moment that everybody's having out there. If you're around the fire or if you're kind of campsite hopping and it's great to have everybody having fun. Right. I mean, that makes it so much more enjoyable for everyone. So absolutely. Yeah. It's well put. Is there anything you'd like to see us do a little differently in in fly fishing? Is there anything you think we could maybe be doing a better job at that comes to mind? Um, 
I think that, uh, like, just locally here or, or in general, I think that I got mixed feelings on a lot of things. Like, I personally, like, you hear lots of people say, oh, like, the social media is bad or whatever, and I kind of see it the opposite way. It's given me an opportunity to see what other people are doing, and, it, and it's made me a much better fly tire specifically, you know, to stay on that topic, like to see what these other guys are doing and admire their work. It's a, it's provided a forum and a backdrop for people to really see what other people are doing. And it's made everybody that much better. It's, it's, I think that in itself has given us, you know, that challenge or that, you know, something to aspire towards or, or whatever. I think that that, that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. More on like a fishing thing. Like we got some, uh, we got some lakes here that would have the opportunity to be like true trophy waters, and they're still allowed to um, harvest like any other lake. Um, I would love to see us protect the lakes that have the ability to grow the big fish, um, and you know have sure. put and take or take fisheries the ones that you know they're not necessarily going to consistently overwinter or or make those lakes the ones. I don't care if people keep fish, but I wish they wouldn't keep the ones that have the uh, potential to grow to be big. Um, mm-hmm. So if I could selfishly, you know, impose my will on the authorities, that's what I'd love to see is a little bit more proactive management on the lakes that have the ability to grow those big, you know, double digit trout. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. If somebody wants to check out some of these amazing patterns that you're tying Where's a good place to look them up, Devin, um, as far as social media? Do you want to throw some handles out there where we can see some of your fly patterns? I'm uh, I'm on Instagram. It's just my name, just Devin Steven on Instagram. And uh, same thing on Facebook. If you, you know, give me a follow on, on Instagram. I'm not crazy uh, posting or whatever if you're interested or, or want to know more about how I'm doing it. By all means, reach out Facebook or Instagram. I noticed you're kind of jumping into this live thing a little bit. Um, what's next for you? You're going to maybe put some uh, more YouTube stuff out there. What's what's in the works? I'd like to I'd like to try it. I think it would be cool, especially now with everybody kind of hanging out at home. I actually tried last night just to see if it would work, but I I got to figure out how to make it work. So whether it's on Instagram or or Facebook, I might mm-hmm. put myself out there and tie some flies and. You know, I can visit with people or answer questions or even just get to know other people. I mean, that's part of it, right? I mean, it's cool to have an opportunity or a forum to do what we're doing right now for the most part. I think if, if people want to do it, I'd love to take that opportunity. I think your timing's right because I can honestly say in in all the years that I've been either fly fishing or fly tying, this year specifically, there's more flies getting made than probably any other year in recent memory. Yeah, <laughs> totally, man. Yeah, you know, with good reason, right? If you got to stay home, you might as well do something you enjoy doing, and you never stop learning that. Dev, thanks so much for coming on the program, man. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. So we we, uh, we got to get out, uh, hopefully, when things settle down, and we'll have to uh, chase some chase some fins soon, man. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it, Mark. We've been chatting tonight with Devin Sieben. Now, Devin is out of Edson, Alberta, avid fly tire. Check out his patterns online. Just mentioned the sites previous, and uh, the guy knows how to catch a fish or two for sure. Cheers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. 
Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Thank you.